First of all, I just want to say a huge, huge thank you to everybody that's listened to the first episode. Um, I've been really, really taken aback by literally hundreds of people contacting via social media, email, um, from friends that are current, uh, from friends that are in my inner circle and family, to friends I haven't seen in a long, long time, to school friends, old football friends, former colleagues, peers... It's been a fantastic few days and um, I really, really appreciate the support shown for the podcast so far and the love for the honesty and the authenticity of what the content is going to be about. So thank you very, very much for that. Please, 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 can you follow um, the podcast on our social channels, on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and you can listen to future podcasts on SoundCloud, Audible and Spotify. But without further ado, here is episode two of The Silent Entrepreneur by me, Aaron Curtin. just take this morning to um, start episode two just by answering some of your questions from social media and from from direct contact over the last sort of week or so. I've got three or four pretty common questions to be fair that, that people have asked over the last few days. One of those is how often are the podcasts going to be? So I've had some great feedback like I said uh, in the intro during the last sort of week or so and few days. Um, so I'm looking at putting a podcast out every two weeks. Sometimes those days may 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 slightly change. Um, there might be something more regular, but it's going to be every two weeks um, is really what I'm going to be aiming to do. Some people have asked where I record the podcast and, and what studio I'm using. So, look in the spirit of honesty and and truthfulness, like like like, like what the, the podcast is about. I recorded the first episode on my dining room table, so there's no studio, there's no there's no glamour of a studio being booked anywhere. I have a, a small mic that plugs into my laptop, and I use a couple of different programs to, to, to record. Currently though, uh, it's half past five um, in the morning, I'm currently sitting in my garage doing this recording, so there's definitely no glamour here, it's pretty cold, um, and that's the location currently for the episode two. Somebody also asked, is it free? Uh, yeah, the podcasts are free. They're, they're never going to be charged for. Um, like I said, it's a, it's a good, authentic, honest podcast talking about real issues, both personal and business. I don't plan on charging anything for the podcast at all. It's completely free. Um, and like I said, you can, you can listen to that even if you don't have a Spotify or an Audible or a SoundCloud account. Uh, you can just click the link on the website, www.thesilententrepreneur.co.uk. Uh, click the link at the bottom and um, you know, there's three or four different options there, and you can you can listen you can listen completely for free. Somebody asked what, how do I know what to talk about? Which is quite interesting, really, because um, and this probably brings me on to one of one of the topics for today, and some of the feedback actually that I've had over the last sort of week or so. Um, so I've had some great feedback. I've had some critique in terms of um, some things that I'll come to in a few moments, which is which is all fair and, and all good because we could all improve. But knowing what to talk about, um, I like to plan the sessions to a degree, but 
I think also it's important not to have everything planned down to a T because the whole point of the podcast is honesty and it's me being selfish and reflecting and using this podcast and using this format to air my thoughts and my internal dialogue, um, which helps me first and foremost and, and potentially other people as well. But first and foremost, it's, it's about me getting that out and, and, and that making me feel in a, in a certain way and dealing with stress and situations and, and various pressure. So I do make notes in terms of what I want to talk about and, and over... You know, like I said, over a, t- a couple of week period, which is going to be the format of the podcast, I'll go through a period of time and, and when things happen in my day or my week, whether it's weekend, personal business or whatever it is, where I can remember, I'll note those down on the notes section on my phone in real short bullet point form. I'll then review those as part of my reflection process at the end of that day or week or, or a couple of week period. Um, and I'll then select the things that I think are worth talking about. I'll make some notes around them, but I won't write a script. Um, that'll never be the case. So, which is why you may, you know, you may get some ums and ahs and pauses in the podcast because I'm not going to spend hours and hours cutting and um, and editing the podcast because I want it to be honest. I want it to be genuine. If there's stuff that I find hard talking about, there's a reason for that, and I want to make sure that that you know the podcast is what it's promised to be, which is honest and genuine from the start and. Picking certain topics is one thing, but then scripting responses just isn't 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 what this podcast is about. So, uh, number one, if you're looking for something that's absolutely clean and polished with no mistakes, this isn't the podcast for you. Turn off now. Um, go and listen to somebody else. It needs to be uh, honest from the outset. And in terms of knowing what to talk about, yes, there is planning involved, um, obviously, but you know, there's definitely not a script sitting in the background that I'm reading from because I want it to be authentic and I want to make sure that I get more 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 of anything the appropriate about of in a you know the appropriate amount of inner dialogue and reflection to help me. Uh, and like I said, that's really the the um the purpose of the podcast. So I had some feedback actually on um social media. I think it was on LinkedIn from a chap that I used to work with many, many years ago uh, in a telesales team, uh, a great chap called Neil. Really, really lively character, really, really nice guy. Um, And arguably, I would say probably one of the top five or ten telesales people that I've worked with in my career in terms of potential, skill, and and knowledge and experience of doing that job because you know telesales is is, is is a tough game, bit bit like door knocking really. It's a, it's a real tough game and you're making a lot of phone calls. You're dealing with a lot of rejection. You're dealing with people most of the time that don't want to speak to you, and you've got to be, you know, Mister and Mrs. Positive twenty four seven. You've got to keep your attitude. You've got to keep your volumes up. You've got to make sure what you're saying is engaging. It's quality. It's unscripted to a degree. Um, and you're asking the right questions and getting the right information and it's a hard old slog to be able to do it confidently and consistently over over a few year period. He left me some feedback on LinkedIn about getting a little bit disillusioned with sales and you know giving up on sales and taking some time out to rebuild himself both personally professionally financially because he just doesn't want didn't feel like he was getting anywhere and he sort of asked on LinkedIn whether that was the right thing to do or not and I think in response to that I don't think there is a, a right or a wrong way to go about it I think it's different for everybody uh, like I said 
telly sales and sales as a whole is a real hard slog. It's something that I've done since I was 15 and a half. I've always found it quite natural to me to be able to talk and engage with people to a decent standard. But um, it is a hard slog to be able to perfect and get consistent on because there is a lot of rejection, there is a lot of volume, there is a lot of learning dependent on what product that you're you're pushing and selling at the time. And because of the amount of negativity that you get on the other end of the phone, you might speak to 100 people and you might only have one or two people that actually hold a reasonable conversation with you. So I think you need to have, I think you need to be a certain type of individual to do that role. I still think that the, the skill is able to be learnt, but I think certainly to fast track progress, um, to have an ability to keep an attitude under negative and challenging circumstances is a, a skill in itself in, in many different roles and many different experiences in life. But he, he mentioned about whether it was the right thing to do to take time out and rebuild himself. And I think what, what Neil's done is take some time out of sales, go into a different role and come back sort of firing on all cylinders. So for him, he's answered his own question, really, because it's obviously worked for him. You know, I can see him doing really, really well now. But when we worked together before, and again, you know, in the spirit of honesty with this podcast, without offending anybody, but speaking openly, he massively underachieved when I worked with him previously. Um, I had a lot of time for him. I think he's a nice guy. I think he had a lot of talent, but I think he made bad choices. I don't think he was committed enough. I don't think he took it seriously enough. I think he put too much pressure on himself to a degree. And I think, I think he thought that the job was easy and that he was the finished article. And because of that, the consistency and the attitude and the work rate was was way under par. So when when you think, you know, you've got somebody tremendously skilled that has good experience with a lot of potential, but if the work rate isn't there, then it's not going to display itself in the correct manner and the deliverables are just not going to be to the standard that you would expect from that individual. Reading a book um, over the last few months called The Barcelona Way, which was given to me by one of my mentors, Jim Littrop, in Bolton, who runs a, a fantastic company called uh, Howarth Air Technology. Um, he lent me this book because I couldn't buy it on Amazon anywhere. And one of the phrases in that Barcelona Way book is that talent and skill get you into the changing room. Um, but when you're in that Barcelona changing room, it's your attitude and application that gets you on the pitch and keeps you in the team and keeps you consistently in that changing room. You know, talent and skill alone is not good enough. You need to have that work ethic. You need to have that attitude. You need to be able to get your head down and, and be consistently delivering in those areas on top of your skill and talent. So when I look at, at Neil's comment around giving up on sales and taking some time out. Well, all I'm seeing from the outside is great things. In speaking to Neil on the phone over, over the last week or so, he seems really happy. He seems to have found a bit of a new lease of life. Um, and I think his attitude and his work ethic is absolutely back on track. So taking time out of things sometimes is the right thing to do, to rebuild yourself personally, financially, professionally, to get your attitude and get your head and mindset into the right place. It's obviously worked for him and it could potentially work for, for other people as well. But, you know, you may be in a position with a role where you just want to graft it out and run through those walls and keep going and keep going. So I, th I think that, you know, both of those approaches would work. It depends on you as an individual in terms of what is suited best to you. I'm certainly not an advocate of giving up. 
But sometimes I think you do need to take some time to reflect and get your head into the right place before you go back into a stress and a pressured environment and a stress and a pressured role in order to be able to get your head in the right place to focus mentally to go and deliver physically on what that role actually means. Um, the second part of the, the, the podcast, the second topic really that I want to talk about as well uh, uh, on from that is um, a topic which I found very, very difficult actually over the last couple of weeks to, uh, to talk about and come to terms with. Um, and it's been a real personal battle in my own head regarding this particular topic. And I've got to be careful to respect the individual's um, personal circumstance and situation when I'm talking about this. But again, I want it to be to be very, very honest and, and transparent. So um, I've always found, I mean, look, I've looked after people in, in work, um, whether it's a big team or a small team, since I was 16 and a half. I got an opportunity at a company called Space Kitchens when I was selling kitchens and appointments for kitchens over the phone when I was 16 or just before I was 16, actually, doing some cash and ham work in Northampton. And um, opportunities led in a very short space of time. I had a fantastic mentor at the time, a lady called Sarah Wilde. She was absolutely brilliant. She was inspirational. I still speak to her now, probably not as much as I should, and I'll make an effort with that a bit more. But she was brilliant. She was a friend, a mentor, an adult figure at the time, and, and I really enjoyed coming to work and working for her. Um, and opportunities came up at that time for me, and, and, it, and it turns out I was working in a call centre on the phone, and then I got an opportunity with my, with my mates to, to run one of their shifts, which was looking after between 50 and 70 people at a time when I was 16, 16 and a half. So the topic I want to talk about, which is difficult, and, and the reason why I mentioned that, just to give you some background, is about letting people go, letting staff go. It's something that actually, speaking openly, I've not always found very difficult at all. I, I can switch my emotions like a flick of a switch, which I think is a positive thing. Um, I also think it has its negative moments, but as long as you can be uh, emotive enough to understand the situation understand the other party and then the other people and the other person on the other, other end of the decision and deliver it in the right way. I think that being able to switch your emot emotions like a switch is, is a really, really strong trait to have for lead, uh, a strong uh, trait to have for leadership. Um, but letting people go, I mean, I must have let go over my career, hundreds of people hired hundreds and let go hundreds and I've never found it difficult at all however for some reason a couple of weeks ago we let go of somebody that had been with us for 13 months somebody that I've known for, for years that I could I'd consider to have a good friendship with a lot of mutual professional and personal respect and I found it tough for the first time in years to make that decision I found myself doing things that weren't very natural to me, which is procrastinating over the decision. Usually I'm quite free with my decision making. Um, if I've made a decision, I won't go back on it. We'll just crack on and we'll we'll go with it, whether it's right or wrong. Um, and we'll pivot if it's wrong and we'll find another solution. But the decision's been made and we move forward as a, as a, as a leader and as a business. Um, but this particular time, I found it tremendously difficult um, even though the performance of that individual wasn't fantastic over a period of time, and in my honest opinion was, um, and in theirs as well, was, was, was way below what their standards were, it was still really, really hard to, number one, come to the decision. 
Number two, um, execute the decision in a way that is befitting to my relationship with that person. And then number three, in, in preparation for, 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 for doing the decision, the number of sleepless nights I had prior to that were, you know, I could only, I could probably only benchmark that against when I was younger, a few nights before a big game of football or a test that was really, really important or, you know, uh, in my sales career, going and pitching a large customer when I was a little bit more inexperienced, there was an element of, not nervousness, but there was an element of concern of, I want to make sure this is done right. Am I making the right decision? Um, and I sat down with my business partner a couple of times and we made the decision to to let that person go. Um, and I think um, I must have sat down with John probably two, three times to discuss the same information. And I found myself trying to find reasons why we didn't need to do it. Um, not necessarily out of performance, but more out of the fact that I didn't feel that I, I was struggling to come to terms with whether it was the right decision, even though the facts are the facts and the facts are quite simple. And when you look at the facts, the decision is quite an easy one. I found it quite difficult to actually come to the conclusion of saying, OK, this is what we need to do. And I think I frustrated John through that process because, you know, when you look at the facts and again, in previous podcasts, we've spoken about the importance of having a balance of decision making. He's quite a process driven and quite a numbers driven individual. Um, you know, when you actually look at that side of things, it's quite simple. But um, actually coming to terms with doing it with somebody that you you have a relationship with and that you genuinely care about is, you know, it was tough. It was tough. So um, I've learned a few things going through that process that I want to share um, because I think that people can take something from it and what I've learned is because at Guru, we have a certain attitude around our people, um, which is, you know, I look at every single member of that company and I look at them and I genuinely love them to bits. I genuinely would run through walls for them, both professionally and personally. Um, you know, I would do anything for them, not because I can hold that as a trump card to play when I need it, but because I genuinely want to and I genuinely care about them whether it's people that we employ that are part of our, are part of my actual family, blood family, or whether that's people that we employ that are friends of family or friends of friends or people that are completely new to the business that I didn't even know before they started at Guru. Um, as soon as those people walk through the door, there is an element for me, an element of care and consideration immediately. And over time, those working relationships blossom into friendships and there's a deep underlying care for each and every person and an understanding of what they want to achieve in their professional and personal career and I take a tremendous amount of pride in seeing that person develop experience and develop their confidence and develop themselves as individuals and also achieve things in work and also just as much pride in seeing them achieve things out of work and their personal aspirations and goals being achieved and using the business as a as a, as a method of doing that is, is tremendously, um, you know, motivating for me as a leader. But in terms of, um, just to give you a background, in terms of letting this individual go, you know, with that in mind, it was, it was tremendously tough because I felt like it was letting go of a friendship, even though it isn't because, you know, I'll keep in touch with that person absolutely will and it's not just going to be a um you know we let somebody go and it's yeah please keep in touch that's great you know i'll be keeping in touch with that person 
um, doing everything we can to try and help that person find employment because um, I care about her situation. I care about her as an individual um, and I respect the relationship. So I think when there's friendships, it's harder. Um, but with, with Guru, everybody, whether you've been there a week or been there a year or two years, for me personally as a leader, there is always a friendship because I think that's, I think that's important. And, and it's quite a, a different topic because I've spoken to a couple of people this week which don't get that. Um, and I don't know why they don't get that. Maybe because they don't, they don't get that element of emotive connection with their current leader or their current business. They're, they're not, not, not committed to that. Their boss isn't committed to them. I don't know whether they've not experienced that anymore. I'm not sure. Or whether we've just got something special here at Guru, which I think we, we do have. Um, but we want to develop those friendships. We want to see people out of work. We want to see people in work. We want to see people succeed. And when you've got those friendships, when you're having to make a decision, it makes it hard. And it makes the highs tremendously high and it makes the lows tremendously low. And and through throughout this period of letting this person go, I felt the lowest I'd felt as a person, both in and out of work, in years, in absolute years. It was, uh, you know, I, and I don't think I made it easy on myself because I, I think I... Um, was going through things and procrastinating about it for so long. But, um, you know, breaking that friendship was a concern for me, but I don't think that's going to happen. Making sure it's done with honesty and integrity was really, really important. Um, you know, the, in old companies, the way that you would exit somebody out of the business would be to, to drag them to an office and take their car and lock them out of all of their services and sort of, you know say to them, look, we, we hope you do well, we'll give you a reference, we'll, we'll help you find employment, but then it never got backed up. But we need to keep your car here and uh, you know, we'll give you a lift home. And that was it. Um, and looking back, that was an awful way to behave, but it was, um, but it was a way that the industry works and it was what the, those businesses were at the time, which is no reflection on the quality of the businesses, just the way it was. And I'm sure that still happens today. Um, I wouldn't dream of doing that now with anybody. But, um, you know, I felt it was important to go and see this individual. So I turned up at their house and I wanted to have a face-to-face -face conversation. I thought that was really important to, to maintain honesty and integrity. And that friendship was to, to, to get that individual to understand why we're here and, and what that means. And, and, and to do it face-to-face -face in, in their environment, for me, was really, really important. So, yeah, that, that honesty and integrity piece was, was, was vital, really. And to understand the impact that the decision has on that person, I think that's really, really important. And again, it's something that a couple of my peers actually disagreed with with me this week, um, which was actually their approach was to keep the emotions away and not to not to get emotionally tied so the decision can be made and you can protect yourself as a leader and your mindset. I understand that approach, but it's not my approach. Um, it's not an approach that that I, I think with 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 certain individuals that I'd like to follow. You know, when when I sat down with this person and we 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 shared where we we're at and the reasons why I'm sitting there on a dining room table having that conversation. As much as the conversation wasn't a positive one, it was honest. It was done with integrity. It was done with genuine care and consideration. Um, and and a tear was shed both sides. And I'm not I'm not ashamed in saying that. Um, because, you know, I give a shit and um, I, I, I care about that individual and what they're going to do next, their personal situation and how, 
you know, it made me feel awful to to make the decision, knowing that that's going to have a negative effect on their life. Um, and I think that was the the tough emotional mindset part for me, and the reason why I procrastinated about it for a period of time and wasn't decisive enough um, was was overthinking that element. Um, and, and underthinking, I think that people are quite hardy and people bounce back and people have bad decisions and go through different things. And I think sometimes we need to understand that sometimes in the right way, you need, need to wrap the, rip the, band, the, the bandage off, uh, sorry, the bandaid off, um, but do it in a way that's understanding, honest, with integrity and, and that he's understanding the impact of those decisions. And I think as leaders, sometimes we, we sway away from those tough decisions, but I think when, when, when the, the time gets tough, you need to make them and you need to be decisive. But I still think that it needs to be done in a certain way. And I, and I still think many leaders and businesses in this day and age make those decisions, but deliver it in a very impersonal and offensive way, really, in a very cold way, which I don't agree with at all. You know, I think there's ways of doing things and, and, and ways of delivering positive and negative and challenging information and decisions. And I think um, when I put my head on the pillow that night, I think I did that person justice. I think we made the right decisions for the company. But I think it was done in a way that's befitting to the friendship that I have with that individual and the ongoing friendship that I have with that individual. So that was probably the toughest moment I've had in the last few few months at least um and i thought you know in the spirit of this podcast being honest thought that was a really important po- uh, point to share the next point that i wrote down in my notepad is the importance of internal dialogue and having that internal measuring stick and it kind of leads on from the point that i just mentioned about really and you could look at that actually Thinking about it, you know, openly now, um, you can look at that as a negative and a positive, I think. Having that internal dialogue is important for you to think about decisions, reasons why you're making those decisions and how you're going to go about those that, that decision-making process and, and how it's going to be done. But I also think that it can trip you up to a degree. I think your internal dialogue can make you less decisive in those moments. And certainly with, with, with the, the situation that I, I mentioned about a few moments ago, it made me less decisive, but it also enabled me to deliver news in a certain way that I felt was the best way to deliver that, that poor news. So I'll be really, really interested in seeing it's quite, you know, I've not put any information around this point. It's something that I didn't want to spend much time talking about, but I'd really, really like some feedback on whether everybody has that internal dialogue, personally, professionally, whether you think that it's a positive to have that internal dialogue, whether you think it's more challenging and negative to have that internal dialogue, you know, whether that dialogue, that internal dialogue within yourself helps you or whether it hinders you. I think I'll be really, really interested to see, sorry, to hear some feedback on that. So, you know, you've got my social uh, channels, whether it's Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, um, and you've got email address as well, which I'll give to you at the end. So, you know, send me some information on that. Tag me in a post, send me an IM, send me a DM on whether you think that that internal dialogue is something important to have or whether it's um, something that maybe holds people back. I think for me, it's vital in my reflection process to deal with stressful situations, to deal with challenging situations. I also think have a, having a strong internal dialogue to keep you honest around your internal measuring stick 
around ethical decisions with business and personal is, is important as well to keep you grounded. And I also think when you have positive experiences, not just challenging ones and negative ones, but positive experiences, it's important to reflect on those positive experiences and feel good about it because life's difficult. You know, business is difficult. It's full of challenges and change all the time, which, which most of the time can affect people in a negative way. And I think it's important to have that internal dialogue when you are winning to understand why you're winning and to celebrate that and to think about it and think about why and keep repeating it and keep doing that and keep giving you that internal pat on the back to have the motivation to move forward and deal with those negatives. So I was speaking to a, um, a potential customer this week and one of our existing customers this week in a face-to-face meeting and they were complimenting me and the business on what we stand for, which is our different approach to transacting business in this industry, whether it be products, whether it be you know, how we're different in a sales cycle, how we market ourselves, but just generally that kind of USP that we have, which is important to us, which is the element of being different to everybody else in the market. And what that meant about the future of the business and the future of the leadership. And one of the one of our existing customers actually turned around and said, do you not see that, do you not think that it's a bit unrealistic to say that you're completely different and do you see that as a positive thing or do you see that as a negative thing? And, you know, we had a bit of a conversation about it and it, did, I didn't, it didn't really hit me until I was reflecting back in the car. And I do that quite a lot. You know, if I'm driving around the UK, I might be driving for half an hour, an hour, two, two and a half hours there, a couple of hours back. And I do a lot of reflecting, a lot of thinking, a lot of listening to things. And and that resonated me with me, you know, probably for a good half an hour, 40 minutes, I was trying to answer that, whether sometimes as leaders you're too unrealistic and whether that unrealistic measure, measuring stick and bar is a good thing or a positive, uh, sorry, a positive thing or a negative thing. And I think when we're talking about different areas, it means different things with different people. I think being unrealistic as a leader, if you look at some of the, the people that have changed history and changed time, people like Elon Musk, with Tesla and SpaceX, people like Richard Branson, people like Steve Jobs. If you look at these people, their expectations and their ideas at the start are completely unrealistic, completely unrealistic, completely unfounded, completely, you know, you would look at them and think you're you're mad. It's never going to happen. What's the point in even trying? Um, but these people, you know, these people have been tremendously successful and, have, and, and in their businesses and in themselves as leaders have changed, changed history, have done things people have never done. So I think there is an element of being unrealistic, which is positive. I think if it's delivered in a way where, you know, from a sales perspective, for example, if sales targets are completely unrealistic, you're going to demotivate people. They need to be realistic. They need to be achievable, but they need to be stretching and, and testing at the same time. Um, if your service delivery targets are completely unrealistic and unreasonable, then you know you're only going to demotivate people. Um, so I think there's elements to being realistic, which is is a positive. I mean, for me, in in terms of our business being completely different to, in the market and branding ourselves differently, and wanting to have that strat line, and we live and die by being different in the way that we transact our customers, the way that we look after people internally, externally, the way that we look after our our, um, our clients, some of the products that we sell, the way that we procure the sales process and look after the client, 
Um, there are things that we do which are completely different to other people, especially in this this, this telecoms industry, which is you know not always the the best service led, led industry in the world, and it has a bad name for itself. You know, we want to pioneer and revolutionise that opinion, and that's why we're on this this earth to do that. We want to look back in five six years and look back and think that Guru was the catalyst to change people's opinions on this industry. Um, you know, it's got a bit of a cowboy nature to it because of, of the history of, of, of the mis-selling in this industry. And I think, you know, that's something that we hold very, very dear to ourselves. We're not like that. We're not about that. Um, it's about doing things openly, honestly, doing things right, looking after the client, looking after your staff to look after the client and giving people the tools and respect to go and make decisions freely and do what they need to do to go and deliver a fantastic service every single time and have the pride associated with doing that and feel good when you do that really, really well. But also feel, you know, when you've not delivered that necessarily very well to the standard, also feel an element of of, uh, of challenge because, um, you know, we all need that sometimes to give ourselves a kick in the backside to keep going. So I think being unrealistic as a leader is probably more positive than it is negative. I think you need to have unrealistic expectations sometimes, and I think that can be used in a way to motivate people. But I think if it gets stupid and silly and completely completely out there, then I think that that can challenge a normal mind. So I think there's, you know, I think there's um, two camps really with that. I think uh, it depends on, 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 on the listener, depends on the individual um, in terms of how they take that. Some people take being unrealistic as a challenge to exceed and to try and hit and to inspire, to, to, to push forward and move forward and move up. Um, and some people take unrealistic challenges, I think, as a way of compounding negativity um, and compounding underperformance. So I think it's quite an interesting topic. And I'd, I'd love to hear some feedback on, on whether you think that working for a leader that has unrealistic expectations is good or, or maybe, maybe negative. I mean, for me, I've always looked at being different and, and that element of conforming to other people and conforming to a certain viewpoint of what you should be as being, as being a real challenge for me personally, in my own head. I think everyone's got a right to go and do what they want to do, whether it's work or personal. I think conforming to other people is, um, is negative. I don't like it. I think, you know, when I look at it, I think, why would you want to be like somebody else? Why would you want to copy that? Why would you want a business that is exactly the same as everybody else? Why wouldn't you want the, you know, the the gratification and happiness of creating something unique? It doesn't mean you have to do a, a unique product, but it could mean that your approach is quite unique, your branding's quite unique, the way that you do things is different, um, the way you look after people is different, the way you serve your customers and look after your people is is also different. So, I think. For me, conforming is something that I've always struggled with. Even at school, um, you know, I couldn't sit still for two minutes and, and, I, and I, I couldn't conform and sit there and listen in lessons very well. Um, I still struggle now in, in longer meetings. Um, I get bored quite easily. I'm quite a task-orientated person and I want to go from one thing to another. I want to cover as many things as I can and I want to be as productive and as efficient as I can in doing so. So, you know, I'll ask the question to you, you know, what, why would you want to be like somebody else? Why would you want to conform to a set of everybody else's standards? Um, and I think when we started Guru, it wasn't about conforming. It was about looking at the whole purpose of Guru is looking at what everybody else is doing and thinking, 
that's actually pretty poor. The level of standard of customer engagement and customer management and customer service is poor. The way certain companies in this industry look after its people is, is, is poor. And we can do a lot better. You know, We haven't got a lot of money to start the company. Um, we don't have as much experience as other people. But why is that important? And why is that relevant? Um, why don't we do something that takes all the negatives that we've ever experienced in this industry from different companies and different leadership, learn from those negatives and turn those negatives into positives by looking at solutions to fix them and actually going a stage further than than just fixing them, actually using those negatives um, and those solutions to those negatives as USPs to actually drive the business forward, whether it be staff engagement, whether it be products, whether it be um, you know USPs from a sales perspective, service perspective or customer engagement perspective. Um, so, you know, with Guru, we've completely turned, on it, turned it on its head. We've, we've utilized the negatives and the weaknesses of the industry. They've become our strengths and they now are starting to become, and look, we're not the finished article yet. We've got a lot of work to do, um, but we are starting to build a reputation in this industry as, as people that are, do, you know, a company that's going places, a company that's doing things differently. And, you know, we never want to be the biggest business in this industry, but what we do want to be is different. We want to be looked at as different. We want to be looked at as the best at what we do, not necessarily the biggest in the industry. The ability to conform or not conform is vital and has been vital to the success so far of Guru and the ongoing success of our business is if we turn out in five years' time, and if we, you know, the day that this business is the same as other businesses in this industry is the day that we need to shut the doors and the day we need to stop doing what we're doing and have a, a genuine look at ourselves and a rethink. Um, so our benchmark and our measuring stick for our company is not other people. It's actually ourselves. And the benchmark that we use for being different is we look at ourselves on a regular basis in terms of our service levels, our people, our engagement, our branding, our product sets, absolutely everything. And we think, you know what, if there's people that are starting to do those things and starting to do what we do, we need to start to pivot. We need to start to change. We need to start to change something up because, you know, we need to keep to that authentic different culture in this business keep evolving keep revolutionizing and keep doing things differently and keep pushing things forward and and if i could dream of anything that i would want for this business is for the business to be renowned in all industries over the next few years absolutely renowned for being different and being the first to do something um, over and above it, it's our ongoing success from a financial perspective um, it would be that our business has a reputation in the industry and other industries of being different and being the first. You know, if I could dream of anything, that would be what it is. And some of the feedback that we're getting back from customers and suppliers is, is fantastic. And, you know, sometimes it's challenging because it's like, why aren't you doing this? Everybody else is doing this. Well, just because everyone else is doing this doesn't mean that we're doing this. And if we start doing that, then we're just going to become the same as everybody else. And like I said before, that isn't what it's about. That's not what the dream is. The, the dream is to be different and to not just have that as a slogan on the wall, on a poster or on the bottom of some branding. It's to live and die by that every single day. Every single transaction that we have with customers, um, we want to serve them differently, better than everybody else and do it and do a fantastic job. So I think over and above that, the importance of not conforming 
and the importance of being different is vital to a business's success. So look, I want to end this podcast with um, a couple of really, really important bits of information. So, and, and just a bit of a statement, really. So as leaders, you can't undervalue the importance when you're speaking to customers, staff, friends and family of the simple things, the basics. For me, the importance of saying thank you, well done, good job, when it's needed, it's completely free. But the impact that has on that individual is it's so positive and fantastic that the impact that that sort of feedback has. And I think as leaders, sometimes you are busy, your head's down, you're thinking about the next thing, you're thinking about what we're going to do next and how we can evolve the business and what the next, the next steps are. And I think sometimes you get too enthralled with that and you forget the basics. And for me, especially with the engagement that I've had with so many people over the last couple of weeks with regarding the, the, the business and the podcast and some of the feedback, both positive, negative and challenging that I've had, the ability of saying thank you to those people, um, the ability to say well done when we do something fantastic in the office, when we serve somebody really well, when we, when we close a case in SLA, uh, when we change something up, when we find a solution to a customer's needs that we didn't have before, when we go and acquire a customer that, we, that we've been pushing for for months and months and months, the importance and value that a leader has in an organisation to say thank you, good job, well done, that's brilliant, keep it up. You know, those really simple things actually mean a heck of a lot to people. Um, and that came quite apparent to me uh, quite recently. I'm, I've always been a type of guy that pats somebody on the back when they do a good job and also holds people accountable when they don't do a good job. I think it's important to have a balance in both. You can't just do one or the other because you end up beating somebody up too much, which is negative, and you end up praising somebody too much and not making them accountable, which I think gives people a false sense of, of success, which again is, is it leads to laziness and it's, and it's a, a slippery slope. But when the time's right and when the work is due, saying thank you and well done to people and being genuinely appreciative is something that I think makes me feel happy and it gives me a sense of pride. But I think it also gives back a sense of authenticity and, and, and a genuine sense of that emotion to that individual about whatever they've done to to, to get into that point in time. So if somebody has closed a case or served somebody well or sold a great deal or come up with an idea about a new product or come up with an idea about how to engage our people better or a new bit of branding and marketing or have listened to the podcast and left feedback on Audible uh, or whatever it is, um, saying thank you is undervalued as a leader. Leaders that are listening to this now, if you can take anything away from this podcast... See if today you can say thank you and genuinely mean it, by the way, when the credit is due, genuinely think, how can I say thank you more, well done more, good job more? Can you do that three, four, five times today? And if you do that, the, what you get in return from your people, you'll be really, really surprised, really, really surprised. Um, and I only found that out just recently, and I'm going to make an attempt to do that a lot more when credit is due. So... Please try it. It will make a big difference to you and it'll make a big difference if you do it consistently and you genuinely mean it. Um, it will make a big difference to how people perceive you 
in that leadership role and as a friend or as a family member moving forward. Wherever you're listening to this, um, thank you very much for listening to the second episode. Like I said at the start, we're going to be putting episodes out at least every two weeks. Again, we're really, really thankful and grateful for anybody that listens. Um, Please share the podcast on social media. If you feel there's anyone in particular within your team, your family, your friend network, and your business that could benefit from listening to the podcast, please tag them in uh, in any of the social media um, accounts that we have. Um, we're on LinkedIn, um, so you can follow us on there. You just need to search the social, uh, the um, the Silent Entrepreneur. Facebook, exactly the same. Instagram, it's ak underscore the Silent Entrepreneur. Uh, Twitter, it's at ts Entrepreneur. Thank you very much for listening and I'll see you maybe from the garage or maybe not next week.